morning. Eager and anticipating what he's about to say to us this morning. Is that how you feel? If you need warming up before you you're open up, there's something sadly wrong. We don't warm up to open up. Hello? Good morning, church. We are, we, our hearts should already be open. So let's just, just begin to... Let's just begin to just raise our holy hands and begin to lift our voices this morning and just begin to thank God. Let's saturate the atmosphere this morning with praise. Come on, church. Let's saturate the atmosphere this morning with praise. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. I'm not going to start speaking until I know we're in the zone. Because I need your hearts open, ready to receive what God is about to say. And then we'll take it from there. Father, we honor you this morning. We love you this morning, Father. We thank you for your kingdom has come. We thank you that your kingdom has come. Father, you've revealed the kingdom to us. You've revealed the kingdom king. You've revealed Christ to us this morning. So, Father, this morning... We ask you, O oh God, for your church to be reformed. A reformed people, O oh God. A company of people, a body of people who were reformed in spirit and in soul. Hey, good morning church, is that you? Am I talking to the church? Yes, my God. My Lord, my God, my God, my God, my God. I honor you, Lord. I worship you this morning, Lord. With all that is in my heart, O oh God, with all that is within me, O oh God, this morning, I want to bless your holy name. Father, it's not, it's not about the mechanics of my voice. It's about this, my spirit, O oh God. It's about my spirit being connected with yours and about partnering with you and representing you this morning. Father, give your congregation, give your people ears to hear what your spirit is saying this morning. Lord, let there be room in their heart to receive what is about to be done this morning. What is about to be said this morning. Let hearts be open up. Let hearts be open up this morning. Oh, Father. Father, Father. Oh, Two Timothy four seven. Two Timothy four seven. If I was going to be buried, which I'm not, I found the scripture from my gravestone. But you can't put it on your gravestone if you've not done what it says. Because all it is is just a scripture on a gravestone. Hello? But if I ever found a scripture that helps me determine who I am, what I've done, my legacy on the earth is this. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now you can't put that on, like I just said. You can't put that on your, your uh, gravestone if you said, I went to church, I was on time, and I gave an, in the offering. That might be your epitaph. That might be your scripture. I went to church. I turned up on time. Now, for some people, turning up on time is a major issue. Right? And for other people, giving, 
you know, giving an offering is a major issue. So if I went to church, I turned up on time, I gave an offering. If that's you thinking that you've run the race, then shame on you. But Paul says, I've run the race. I says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Finish is not dying. Finishing is not dying. That's the first mistake many people make. Finishing means I have done what was asked of me to do. I fulfilled what it was God had called me to do. So I finished the race. And lastly, I've kept the faith. So many people lose the faith. So many people lose that faith. And the message version of that uh, scripture says this. You take over. I'm about to die. My life an offering on God's altar. I'm about to die. My life is an offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard to the finish. Believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting and God's applause. Depends on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right, not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. Yeah? I'm about to die. My life is an offering on God's altar. This is the message version. This is the only race worth running. I love that. Yeah? I love that about this scripture. I've run hard to the finish, believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right, not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. Yeah? Beautiful way the message translates that. The only thing about running our Christian race that you and I must understand is that there is no race in history like the Christian race. There is no other race. Every race has a, has a certain amount of time or so many laps. It might involve others. It might be a solo race. And the rules are pretty well defined. And it's over in a matter of minutes, unless it's a marathon. Yeah? But this race of ours is from the day you meet Christ to the day you die or the day you're finished. Yeah? There's no race in history that can offer you such a prize like this one. No race. No race. The prize is not about receiving sums of money, gaining notoriety, or about standing on a podium receiving gold, silver, or bronze, watching your national flag being raised up that pole, listening and singing to your national anthem, albeit that is cool. I'd love to be able to stand there and the whole world watching my flag go up the pole. I would. I think that's a cool moment. And me sat there crying because I took the gold. There's no glory in the, in the bronze. I was in the race for the gold. Yeah, this is my, my interpretation. And something about our national anthem that gets me every time. Yeah, and everyone who feels, uh, everyone who, who represents their country feels the same about their national anthem. There's definitely some, some bad tunes out there. There's definitely some bad tunes, and there's definitely some good tunes. And I think we've got a good tune, but that's my perspective of ours. Uh, but there's definitely, I've recognized some bad ones. Wouldn't, it brings a tear to my eye when I hear them as well. So it's not about national, uh, your national flag 
our national anthem being raised up. It's not about receiving an OBE or a knighthood, as David Beckham will tell you. It's not even about receiving an Oscar, a BAFTA, or even a Tony Award. See, they named them after me, the Tony Award. It's not about a Pulitzer Prize, a Nobel Peace Prize, because nothing can compare to this prize. No earthly prize can compare to this heavenly prize. Yes? The prize we're running for is not the prize of escaping death. We're not escaping death because you will die physically unless Christ comes back again. That's the benefit of our salvation. But the prize that we're running for is to know Christ Jesus and know him in the power of his resurrection. To know Christ at that level is the prize. To say I've laid hold of him. I know him. I am my beloved's and he is mine. What a wonderful place to, to get to, to know that that's the prize. And guys, when you understand this, it's all about a person. You're doing it all for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not running for anybody else. Though your race will include so many other people, you are running for Jesus Christ and for knowing him. And if that doesn't motivate you and get you out of bed and keep you on your feet, there is nothing in your race that will keep you satisfied. Christ has to be central in your race. It's not about doing what the church wants to do. It's not about getting involved with a load of people you like. It's not about enjoying the social groups. They are called benefits. But if you can't be motivated for your love for one another and for, your, for Jesus Christ, then your race is hindered right from day one. Yeah? The Christian race, what I love about the Christian race is that it's an individual race and it's a collective race. It's run by me. God put me on planet earth. God put me in a body, physical body. He's put me in a spiritual body. He's given me people to run alongside. But running alongside people, I still have to run my race. Yes? I don't know if you noticed <coughs> that the crowd you started running with joined a different race. Not everybody's running your race. Some may come... <coughs> Excuse me. Some may join you up ahead. Some you may never see again until you get on the other side. And when you go looking for them in heaven, let's just hope they made it. But whether they did or they didn't is nothing to do with you. The issue is you make it. You keep your head down. You keep running. Keep focused. Keep fit. Keep healthy. Keep in the game. So, your Christian race is an individual race and it's a continual race. You've got to develop mental fortitude, toughness of spirit and capacity of character in your race. God expects you and charges you to develop mental fortitude, toughness of spirit and capacity of character. You find a Christian that's got no mental strength, no character, you've got a weak, insipid person. I don't know about you, but to get where I've got so far, I'm 55 years of age, coming into 56, I've had to go through some battles to stay where I am, to keep in the race. I am fighting the battle. I have not yet fought the battle. 
So I am fighting the battle because Paul talked about it in the, in the tense of it coming to a conclusion. I'm still in the midst of my race and so are you. And how long we've got left in our race, we don't know. But, but until then, I'll keep running. And you must keep running. But you must understand what that means. You and I must understand what that means to keep running. So we need toughness of spirit, mental fortitude, toughness of spirit, capacity. The race is continual, as I've just said. It's been run by others. Phil said it this morning in our prayer meeting. It's been run generationally. Since the patriarch, uh, sorry, since uh, Abraham first received his revelation of God as the covenant maker, people have been included in this journey. Right to 2.17. So it's been run generationally. It's been run by patriarchs, prophets, priests, and kings. It's been run by disciples, widowers, adulterers, the blind, the deaf, and the lame. Which sounds a wee bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? How does a lame person run a race? So we see all those people are included in this race. So you're not alone. And every one of those, peop- every one of those people or every one of those persons had a background history just like you. But everyone and had a context and had a culture and had a generation in which to make their mark known. But guess what? You have to join this company of people who's gone before you. You have to join them. Why? Because it's part of your race. You're not on your own. Others have run it. It's just now your turn. So many have had to run through exiles, devastation, persecution, national, regional, personal family turmoils. But they kept running. They kept running. Thank God. You know, when we have this Bible here and we read this Bible, thank God these guys ran their race. Thank God they ran their race. Because when God speaks to you, and and, and you get so blessed that God speaks to you, just remember, somebody had to run this race for that Bible to be written, to be put into your hands, so it could speak to you in your race. Others had to pay their price so that you could be blessed on your own. Think about that. How this Bible has actually survived generations, persecution, atheists, governments, demonic powers. Yet, God has deemed it that you should have a Bible. Why? Because he has determined that every generation will have this word so that they can stay in their race, so they can fight the fight, so they can run the race, so they can finish their race. Even the nations who have had no Bibles, God has laid it on other people's hearts as part of their race to make sure that the the unreached nations get a Bible. Because God wants everybody else to run the same race. It's a fantastic thing. Last time we spoke to you about this, I I mentioned to you four distinct phases. And I said to you, the first race starts in your, the first phase that you have to encounter is your origin. Everything in your past. Now, not everybody had a bad origin. Your identities, where you're born, how you were shaped, how you were formed. Did you thrive or did you survive? Yes? Because what happens is, in your origin, so many people get so damaged in the origin 
that it hinders them then for the rest of the race. And we're dealing all the, through their Christian race, they're dealing with the effects of their origins. See this. Their culture, their background, their mother, their father. What, was ha- what didn't happen? Was I an orphan? Wasn't I an orphan? Did it, was I abused? Wasn't I abused? Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. The origin is the place where so many Christian runners get hurt. And yet God still reveals his word to us and still gives us hope and a plan for the future. But guess what? Knowing that your origin has put some baggage on your back. So if you're a military guy, running with a pack on your back is part of the training. But in Christianity, running with a pack on your back is not part of your training. Why? Because he says, throw off everything that entangles you. So you're not meant to have this backpack on called your origin. Hello? And you'll find from time to time, the more the Holy Spirit goes into your life, the more of your origin, God will reveal. He will. God will take you back to conversations, moments, events. And you didn't realize it. I remember when we were having a a man... A man up uh, Saturday meeting. I think it was Peter Nichols who was talking at the time. And he just said one thing. And instantly, in a second, I had a flashback of my father talking to me. It was so surreal. It was unbelievable. It just happened. Flashback. And I understood something about my character today. And how it's got like this. In that one area. In that one part. In that context. I understood it. Why? Because of what he said. And God took me back to my origin, and straight away, once I saw it in that context, I could cut it off. It was, a, it was something that was attached to me in my psychology, my, my emotions, <clears throat> that I didn't realize was there. And it just took someone to say something. God opened up that window for me to see, so Tony, that's part of your origin you don't need. Why? Son, that's only going to hinder you in the race. I love that about God. I love that about God. The next stage we see after your origin is deterioration kicks in. The next stage is origin, deterioration. What took place in your origin now begins to affect your life and it deteriorates you spiritually, emotionally. Physically, psychologically. Once, some people stay in deterioration all their life. But the next phase, this is where now we start getting into the race. You've gone from origin, deterioration. The next phase of God getting you into the race is called restoration. God has to bring us into restoration. To get us back into the race, running in a healthy lifestyle. Restoration is a key thing in your Christian life. And at some point in your Christian life, let me say this, you will need restoring. Whether it's your emotions, whether it's your thinking patterns, whether it's your behaviors, your attitudes, whatever it is, at some point, you will need restoring. Hello? Your family will need restoring at some point. Why? Because if you're the head of the house, maybe you caused some deterioration. 
Now, we don't like to hear that as parents, but that's truth. That's truth. You may not be the same as your previous parents, but you can create deterioration in children just like your parents and their parents and their parents. Now, we're not talking about, you know, to the point of some extreme things, but our words hurt. Our words contain. Our words capture. Our words have a way of freezing us emotionally. So God has to restore us to keep us in this race. Would you agree with that? I'm constantly in restoration. Now, I'm not sat there doing nothing while I'm being restored. I'm moving, and then every now and then, the Holy Spirit brings me into the lay-by, gets me on the ramps, starts doing some underneath work, starts doing some on-top work, starts cleaning inside the vehicle, starts putting new tires on or whatever it is, how all that fits into your life. And then what he does, he gets me back in the race. And then at some point, I'm going to have to be pulled back over again. Yeah? Now, if you look at Formula One, Formula One, you don't waste more than six or seven seconds. Now, in God, you can determine how long you're in the pit lanes for. How long you're resisting will determine how long you're in the pit, pit lanes. Now, because our race is not competing against someone else, that could be 10 years of your life. You haven't got that much to waste. Yeah? So, this is what I've understood about the Christian race, that there's enough reasons for you and I to quit. Oh, can you say that? Of course there is. There's enough reasons for you and I to quit our race. Have you ever found any out there? Of course you have. If you said no, you're lying. Well, I didn't make the final stop, and that's it. I'm throwing all my toys away. I'm not coming back. No, but in your heart of hearts, you, you said that's it. We've all done it. We've all been there to some degree. No, I've been faithful to God all the end. Well, maybe you have. Good luck to you. Maybe you just need a good dose of reality. It's okay because God built that factor into the race. He knew there would be times when you're tired, beat, finished, want to quit. But that's when he comes and brings you food in the, middle, in the midst of the desert and feeds you and says, get up and go again. That's when, he sends, that's when he sends the raven to feed you. Someone you never knew. Someone you've never met before. And he takes you to a place where you didn't know. And God begins to feed you. And he says, get up, son. There's still more to go. I love that about God. But God, I'm finished. I'm, I'm fed up with your church. And I don't like your church. He says, you know what, son? I love it, but I know there's some people in church I don't like. I don't like what they're doing. I like the people. I don't like what they're doing. Let me clarify that. So though there's enough reasons in life to stop and cause you to finish, I'm also a great believer that he who endures to the end will be saved. That might not fit your theology. Don't fight me on that. All I'm saying is, I believe I must work out what God's working in. So what God's working in can be outworked. Amen? I also believe that he who endures to the end will be saved rather than him who started out in good shape. Many start out in good shape, but don't endure to the end. That's why the Bible tells us in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 9.11, the race is not to the swift or to the strong. Because if it were, so many others wouldn't be included. 
if it was only for the strong and the swift, it, others wouldn't be included. So it's, it's more than just strength and, and swiftness, movability. It's, it's going to take, because as you get older, you haven't got the movability physically, but spiritually, you should always keep movability. So I'm going to read your scripture now, and you've all read it before, but hopefully I'm going to put a slant on it that you've not heard before. Joel 2, verse 28. And afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, have we got any sons and daughters here this morning? Will prophesy. Not might, not could, not should. Will prophesy. Your old men, got any old men in here this morning? I'll put myself in that bracket, make you all feel cool. If 55 is considered old, I'll put myself so. Anyone above 55, you're old. You're old men. We'll dream dreams. Now that means to dream dreams, you've got to go to sleep. And I like sleep. So it's biblical to have a sleep. Because without a sleep, we sleep, you can't dream. Your young men, got any young men in here this morning? Anyone younger than 55 is young. I've set the bar this morning. <coughs> Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, got any servants here this morning? <coughs> Both men and women. Got any men and women in here this morning? Okay, so we've really got the whole crowd here then, haven't we? I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Now, this was the same scripture that Peter used on the day of Pentecost. This was the very scripture that Peter quoted. So what was said by Joel has now taken place in the book of Acts. Yes? So God's made good his word. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was poured out to capture, empower, and incorporate all nations, all cultures, all people. Thank you for that underwhelming response. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost was poured out to capture, to empower, and to incorporate all nations, cultures, and peoples. So God gave the Holy Spirit so that you could be empowered for your race in the days ahead. So he supplied what you needed before your race ever began. Think about it. So if I'm going to, go, if I'm going to do a marathon tomorrow, I'm going to have to go and buy a new pair of uh, runners, trainers, sneakers, whatever you, term you want to use. Pumps. Remember that word, pumps. Pumps. Plimsolls. Really getting old now. So you're going to need to go and buy yourself some. Now, when me and this fella did our marathon, we bought ours a couple of weeks before you do a marathon. And they tell you that's stupid. You should at least bought your shoes three months before you do your marathon. So you can wear the shoes in and they don't cause blisters. I think we did it in two weeks. If there's any rules to be defined, we found them. We defined them and defiled them at that time in our life. So the Holy Spirit was poured out in advance for your race. Isn't that good? So you can't turn around and say, I don't feel empowered. I've got nothing. I'm on my own. I've got no energy. I've got no power to run my race. He has already seen to it that you have got all that you need. Because God wants all these languages to be included so that every nation, every person could have the joy of running the race and knowing Christ. Because that's God's ultimate aim is that all men may know him. Yeah? 
So let me ask you the question this morning. I've given this some thought. And hopefully, you will give it some thought. What is the point of God pouring out his spirit on sons and daughters and then prophesying, but having no position in the race? What is the point of God pouring out his spirit and your sons and daughters prophesy, but they themselves are not in the race? So that, you know, you've heard, you've heard this phrase, haven't you? He talks a good talk. What is the point if you're not in the race and you're prophesying, you're just a talker? But prophesiers are in the race themselves. They're in the race. They're in the guts. They're in the glory. They're involved in the guts and glory. So, what is the point of old men dreaming dreams if they're not allowed to pursue them? I love this about the old man. He's telling me that the old men still have a place on this earth. They're telling me that old men can still dream and they can still expect God to do things in their life. Why? Because your race ain't over until it's completed. Not until you die. It's not about you dying. It's about you completing your race. So the dream gives you a picture of your position in the race and how you can find, follow and finish the will of God in your life. It doesn't matter if you're 68, 78. Start running in such a way that at least you're heading for the prize. Yes? Old men can dream. It didn't say being a daydreamer. Daydreamer and dreaming is, a, is two different things. Now, the first rule of dreaming is this. Guess what? Wake up. At some point, you've got to wake up. And then <coughs> you've got to do something with what you have captured. Now, I remember when I wrote the song, Majesty, I was asleep upstairs. One afternoon, I've had some dinner. <coughs> Spirit of tiredness came over me. And I just knew that it's now's the time to go into prayer mode, reflective mode. And as I began to reflect on the Lord, I suddenly realized that I'm in, I can hear in this dream the song, Majesty. I've got the words, the tune, everything's there. Right? It was a surreal moment. It was, it was a unique moment. It wasn't Asda. <laughs> this was the throne room. And I'm in there, and I heard this voice basically saying, you bet, now's, it ta- now's the time to wake up and put it down. And I just stepped out the dream. It was surreal. And I wrote the song Majesty. Because, you know the song Majesty? Majesty, worship is man. That one. And it was a, a two-minute song. You could write it on the back of a cigarette packet. Everything was done. Words, music. So it says to our Paul, Paul, we've got a song. Now, when me and Paul write a song, we say, there's a Chinese available. That means it's a good night. We can have a Chinese and we can play with this song. We didn't even have time for the Chinese. The song was done, finished. And that song has been, has been a great tool in the house. What I'm saying is God gave me a dream. And now that dream, an action had to be taken. What is the point of having dreams and not doing anything with them? Yeah? Come on. 
It's time for some of you old people to start dreaming again. You think because you're old, you've got nothing left. There's no, there's no future for you. That's wrong, and I'm breaking it right now. It's wrong. It's a lie of the devil. That's an ageism speaking. Flesh and blood is closing down, and it's saying, well, let the young ones run now. That's wrong. It's wrong, and it's wrong. Ageism, I speak against you this morning in Jesus' name, and I speak to the spirit man that's in you this morning, and I say, come alive. There's time for you to go. Come on, wake up, old sleeper. You've not finished the race. What do you say to your kids? Come back in here and finish what you started. Your room's in a mess. Come back and finish and you're not doing anything until you finish it. What is the point of young men seeing visions if they've got no strength to pursue what they see? And no energy to deploy. What is the point, friends? What is the point of being young and having this ability to see in the spirit but having no energy to pursue? What is the point? Answer the question. Come on, please, answer the question in your heart. I'm young, I'm old, I've got the Holy Ghost, but I'm doing nothing with it. What is the point of God pouring out his spirit on servants, both men and women, if God's people have no spiritual position in the race? Get in the race. Get in the race. What you and I don't understand or realize or see at times is that even when God sends a prophecy or a dream or a vision to you, that words, dream, and visions create a portal world for you. I said they create a portal world that you can step into, and had you not seen that, you could never have stepped into it. Yeah? And by stepping into it, you move forward. You accelerate. If you can see this morning that the Spirit of God is on young servants, men and women, it's on old men, it's on young men, you can dream, you can have visions, if you can see that this morning, then that portal will step open for you. So it will open up for you. And all you have to do is step in and you're back in the race or you're accelerated in the race. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. The importance of receiving a prophecy, a dream or a vision is they give you faith and courage to do what you couldn't do one second before that prophecy was spoken. Does that make sense? So one second before this word was spoken to you right now, you had limitations in your mind. Then all of a sudden, a word comes, it hits your spirit, opens up the portal, you step in. But if that word wouldn't have been spoken, you couldn't have stepped in. But some of us have got so easy and so, what's the word? So comfortable about hearing me speak, that you can't hear the Holy Ghost through me. Because I always speak. Oh, he's always passionate. Well, I'd rather be passionate than dead. Prophecy has several dimensions. If you're smart, you might write this down. It's about foretelling. It's about telling the future. And it's about 
forth telling. Meaning, it can cause the future to happen the moment it's spoken. So there's foretelling, telling the future, and foretelling. So the moment God speaks to you, he can create a future right there with that word. So how many, how many have you seen when someone's in a wheelchair and the, and the sick, they bring out the person and he begins to speak. As he begins to speak, the person's faith meets with the word. And as the person's word, uh, faith begins to meet with the word, a future is created right there. They've now got a future they never thought they had. The whole world has changed now because they can get out of a wheelchair and join in the race. Not that you have to walk to be in the race. That's not what this is about. First comes the word. Without the word, the world was not made. The word came first and then the world was made. When the word is received and only when, when the word is received and only then, then grace comes to you. When the word comes first, that's the first stage. Second stage is when the word comes and it's received, grace is then given to you. Grace is given to you. Third stage is grace is given to finish the race. Without grace, you won't finish the race. Grace not only saves you, but sustains you. And empowers you. Yes? Now I want to show you a little video right now. Some of you may have seen it before, but I think it handsomely proves my point here. So just watch this for a second and I'll be back in a second. I'm sure many of you have seen it before. But I'm just going to read the captions, what you have saw on that screen there. And see if they witness with you in, in your race. Because of tragedy... Rick couldn't walk or talk. That was his origin. Because of tragedy. Though they realized, what they realized and understood is that though the origin brought them certain limitations, they wouldn't let their origin contain them. Your origin may have brought you limitations, but your spirit is given to break containment. That's why God gave you a spirit. That's why God gave you the Holy Ghost to break the containment. When the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts, he broke the containment of culture. But some of us are still contained by our own culture. But you have the spirit within you to break the containment of culture. You do. Rather than, because sometimes the spirit within you has to fight against the spirit of culture than you. And there's no one more cultural than the British. You don't have to go away on holiday to find out how cultural you are. It's true. Find a way to change the history of your origin rather than trying to run with the pain of it. Find a way to change the history of your origin rather than trying to run with the pain of it. 
Rick refused to let the, the fact that he couldn't walk or talk stop him from being in a race. I love that. When Rick learned to communicate through a computer, stop right there. Stop right there. Some of you need to learn to communicate. Stop right there. I'm talking to some people here. Some of you need to learn to communicate in your race. You never open your mouth. You never talk. You're very reluctant. Communication is a massive part of your race. I like to be on my own. Why? Because I don't like to talk to others. Well, that's not a race then, is it? Well, well, I just, just, just meet Jesus. There was no such thing as just you and Jesus. Jesus, for the whole world, God gave his son. There was no just, listen, before the beginning, there was always him and Jesus. But he created other angelic beings to be with him. It's not just him and Jesus. And there shouldn't just be you and Jesus in your life. There must be others. So when Rick learned to use a computer, he told his dad he wanted to run a five-mile race. Dick wasn't the runner, but he decided to push his child in a wheelchair. He wasn't a runner. When God called you in this race, he knew what you wasn't. He knows what you're not. He knows what you are not. And he knew that I wasn't a communicator. He knew that I wasn't an upfront person. But guess what? You wouldn't think that now looking at me. But that's what I was. But the point is, he never calls you based on what you are. He calls you what you're not. That's why you need grace. Hello? That's why you need grace. Can you see this? If you're looking for all your strengths, start again. The fact that you've got no strengths or you feel you've got no strengths is a good place to start. Because God's grace has to come upon you. Then you realize, Lord, if you're not with me, I can't take another step. God says, now we're learning, son. Notice he said another step. Some people don't take a step. So what you what you call to do is not natural. What you are called to do is not natural. Hello? It's not natural. Stop thinking. Well, I can't do that. Right, you're qualified. The very fact you can't do it is you're qualified to do it. Come on, think about it. The very thing you can't do and God's calling you to do means you're qualified. I can't run a school, or we can't run a school of discipleship. Great. You're the right person for it then, aren't you? Well, Lord, we haven't got any else parents. We haven't got any students. Great. You're the right people then, aren't you? But Lord, you don't understand. No, no, Tony, you don't understand. So you're going to start this journey totally dependent upon me, aren't you? Yeah, right. That's what it's all about. If you can get all these students and all these house parents and do all this in your own strength, then I'm not with you then, am I? Right. Because you, we've got to spend time enough for you to buy into this. So it becomes the house is discipling, not just a few. So if we could do this on our own, then there's no need for you and I. There's no need for God. No need for you and I. Just need, all his need is just a, a need of a few people. 
So what you're called to do is not natural. It has to be supernatural. Notice the personal feelings that came to Rick as a result of him being in the race. Rick didn't feel handicapped. I love that. Did you see that? Did you read that caption? Rick didn't feel handicapped when he's in the race. I love that. But Rick, you can't walk. You can't talk. But I'm free. When I'm on the open road, I'm in the race. I'm free. Guess what? Me doing what I'm called to do and you doing what you're called to do, even though it's scary at times, it's the best place to be. You need some adventure in your life. And adventure means faith. And when faith means trouble, trouble means hardships. That's what we need, adventure on the open road. Rick didn't feel handicapped. He felt included. Wow. He felt focused and part of something much bigger. There he was on the open road. And in his mind, I'm running the race. I tell you, folks, much of what you're looking for is not in a church. What you're looking for is out there on the open road. Together, the caption came up on the screen, together, Father and Son. What a beautiful reminder that this race is about Father, Son. And when we say Son, we mean daughters as well. Your race is about the Father and you being the Son in that context. You see, when you run your race, your heavenly father's not only at the side of you, but he's at the back of you, encouraging you, pushing you on. Yeah, he's pushing you through. He's navigating you through all the tricky things. He's on the open road with you. When you're on the open road, he's right behind you. Amen? And I like that because that's the best place to speak into your son's ear. When you're right at the back of him, you can just whisper in his ear. Yeah? And notice the father's pushing but he's also supporting. And as he said, you can imagine the father saying, are you still okay there, Rick? Are you still okay there, son? And the son's just kind of making whatever noise he can to let his dad know that he's still there. You can imagine there's not a lot of dialogue, but there's all kinds of dialogue. And the son's arms are all over the place and you just think it's free. It's just a fantastic picture of what your race can be like when your dad's behind you. It's just a fantastic picture of what your race should be like and what it can be like and should be like. If you're on your own and you've got no dad behind you, you're in trouble. Together, they then competed in triathlons. It's not, as a, it's not enough just to run. Now he wants to widen his horizons. It's not enough just to keep doing what you're doing. Let's just, let's just change the game a little. Let's do something we've not done before. Let's do a swim. You sit in a boat, and I'll swim and pull you along. Man, that's pretty dangerous. What if the boat tips over? But he did it. So not only are we now doing the running, we're now doing the cycling. We're doing the swimming. We're changing the rules of the game. What we've realized is that now we can run, there's other things we can do. Now your perspective's changing of what the possibilities are <clears throat> when you partner with the Father in the race. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty five says this. This is Paul changing his rules. <clears throat> Just get a drink. Paul says this, three times I've been beaten, 
You think once was enough? Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and day in the open sea. This is his triathlon. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, shower of them, in danger from my own countrymen, danger from Gentiles, danger from the city, danger from the countrymen, danger, 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 danger. Danger from false prophets. I've labored and told and I've gone without sleep. I've, not, I've known hunger, thirst, and I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures and concerns of, my, of all the churches. That's adventure. Paul's gone from persecution, persecuting the church, to now working for the church. And now his horizons have changed. He's involved in everything. You know, if you and I had one encounter, if you were shipwrecked once, that'd be enough. You'd never get back on the boat. But this guy's has three times. He doesn't answer to the name called Lucky, does he? I mean, he's probably the Jonah in the boat. Every time he gets on a boat, it sinks. And here he is changing the rules again. And then what I love about this, this, this caption on the screen here, together they trekked 3,770 uh, 3, miles. How many miles have you ran in your Christian race? I didn't ask you how old you are. I asked you how many miles have you ran. 70 years doesn't mean you've run 70 miles. 50 years doesn't mean you've run 50 miles. If I give you a mile for every year you've been on planet Earth. Didn't ask you how old you are. I asked you how many miles you've run. How, how many triathlons, spiritual triathlons have you been in? How many marathons have you been in? When was the last time you ran behind somebody else and, and spoke into their race? And joined their race? And encourage them. When was, the, when was the last time you, were, you gave the food to the guy who had no food? When was the last time you pulled somebody who couldn't swim? And you got in the water with them when it was cold. And you pulled them to the other side. When was the last time you began? When, when was the last time? When was the last time you sensed adventure in your life? Don't tell me you've got a bucket list. Because a bucket list is all about you. A bucket list is about you. Your race will have many adventures. I've labored and told I've gone without sleep. I've done, I've done that a few times. Hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Not done that. Besides everything else, I face daily depression and concern for all the churches. Felt concerned for the church at times. Feel concerned for you at times. It's not, how many, it's not how many years you've been alive. It's how many miles you've run. Where have you been? How much you time have you spent? In that mileage you've eaten up, how much you time has been in there? And how much is time? Come on, be honest with yourself. How much of, you time, how much of your life is about you? And how much of your life is about running the race? You actually feel the wind in your face. I feel like I'm moving. I'm serving God. The track together, together, together they tracked. Together they tracked. And then it said, Rick couldn't compete without his dad, but Dick couldn't compete without his son. Jesus says this in John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you, the son of man can do nothing by himself. 
He can only do what he sees the Father doing. But you and I do a lot of things by ourselves. You and I do a whole bunch of stuff on ourselves. But Jesus was very clear, if I'm going to be in the race, I'm going to partner with my Father. I can only do what my Father is doing. Father and Son were together in this race. Father and Son, as in the divine Father and Son, they never ever. See, when the devil tried to tempt Jesus and said, if you're the Son of God, do this. What he was trying to do, he was trying to separate the Father from the Son. Because if the Son would have turned those stones into bread and the Father wasn't doing it, Jesus' own word would have been made him a contradiction. I only do what the Father is doing. Dad, are we turning stones into bread today? No. Right then, don't do it. Can you see that? Dad, are we healing the sick today? No. Right, we're not doing it then. He went into some places and didn't heal people. Why? Because Dad wasn't doing it. It's not the point he had the ability to do it. Dad wasn't doing it. He was only doing what he saw the Father doing. He fulfilled his own word. You and I in this race must do what your father's doing. That's the whole idea of father and son running together. That's why father must get behind the son so we can speak in the, in, in the ear. That's why he can prophesy in your ear and you come alive. And he says this in John 6, 27. Don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. And him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. When God gives you the food and you do what you're doing with it, the seal of approval comes upon you. The word must come to you first. Grace sustains you. When you do what God is telling you to do, the Father's approval is on your life. His approval comes on your life. And I love this when he says, Dick is the body, but Rick is the heart. You know, there are some people in this church that is the body and others are the heart. But guess what? We need them both. And I like it. This uh, 2 Corinthians says this. I thank God who was put into the heart of Titus the same concerns I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and his own initiative. And, he, and, he, and we are sending him along with him, the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. When the father's heart is inside his sons, God can send you to represent him. Where will you allow God to send you? Where will you represent your father? Where will you represent your father? There has to be a place in life where you will represent your father and God's seal is approval. So God's seal of approval is on your life and it's seen and witnessed by others. Come on. Come on. I thank God who put into the heart. Now, did Titus have a body? Of course he did. But the heart, the body needed the heart. It needed the heart of the father. Some of you have got a body, but the heart sometimes is questioned, as it is in all of us from time to time. 
God has put you in a body. God has put you in a spiritual body. And that body must have a heart. Because in this house, we're all about sending. We're about equipping, releasing, sending you. Why? Because that's what is in our heart. That's what the Father spoken to us as a leadership. Put it in our heart. Raise my sons, send them out. Raise my daughters, send them out. As I'm sending you, I'm also sending them. Send them out. Build a school. Send them out. Build a school. Send them out. Don't let them sit down. Send them out. And then he says, together they run. Together has power. Do you see that? Caption. Together has power. With the caption, don't run alone. Colossians 4 says this, 12. I get about Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greeting. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you. And for those at Laodicea and Heropolis, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send their greetings. All these group, all these people were all running together. They were all running the same race. Now here's the thing. If I've got, let's just set this first row here, this family, one family. Now it would be so easy for them to say, we'll run as just one family. True? Now they have to do that. One family. But Melanie's married. She's got her own responsibility. They're married. Right? He's got gifts. He's got dreams. The old man's dreaming. The old lady's dreaming. The young girl's seeing visions. Right? So if he's, the old man's dreaming and the old lady's dreaming, God's got something for them to, to aspire to. If the young lady's seeing visions, she's got something to aspire to. So it's one family, but they're all running their own race, but it's a family. They join together. I take my own family with Shirley and Andy. Their strength, they, God has supernaturally brought their strength alongside my strength. They've all got their own role. The old man's dreaming. The old lady's dreaming. The young girl's having visions. She's getting a vision of what God wants for her life. The old man and the old lady is, dream, uh, is dreaming. So let him sleep in the afternoon, Shirley. It's, it's, it's perfectly right. When you get to that second age, stuff, the afternoon nap is purely scriptural. But Andy, when you wake up, when you wake up, just say, Amen, Lord. And it looks like you've been praying. That's the key for the old man who fall asleep in the afternoon. When you wake up, just say, Amen, Lord. And everyone thinks you've been praying. <laughs> say, bro, I'm let help you out here. The point is we're running as a family. We are running as a family. But in this family, each one is finding their place in the race. Yes? It's so important that together they run, but they don't run alone. Together we run, but we don't run alone. Many of us want to run alone because we don't like the together. Because together means accountability. Together means transparency. And I'm going to hold you account for all that garbage that keeps coming out of your mouth when you keep telling me God said, and then you never do it. 
That's why you need a friend to say, suck it up and shut up, because you keep telling me God's saying it, but you don't do anything with it. That's a good friend who will tell you, did God change his mind? No. So then shut up then and do what he said last time. Stop changing your mind because you don't feel the same about what he said to you yesterday. A good friend will say, shut up, that's not what you told me yesterday. Or you could say, brother, I don't think that was the word. I'd just like, shut up. It's straight to the direct. If it's a friend, you can say that. Shut up, that's not what you told me yesterday. God never changes his mind. God never changes his mind. He said that in his own word. I, the Lord, never changed my mind. The conclusion. John 20, 21. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. There's the Holy Ghost. Power coming on them again. And said, receive the Holy Ghost. If you forgive anyone his sins, and they are forgiven. If they do not forgive them, then they're not forgiven. Acts 20. 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I only may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What was the task? The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. God's grace. That's why grace has to come to you so you can testify about the grace. When I'm talking to you and what you're seeing me here, I'm testifying about the God's grace that empowers me to do what I'm doing so I can say the things I'm saying. It's not about me looking good, sounding good, feeling good. It's about me testifying how the grace can empower you. This is my race. Communication is my race. This is what I do. But there's a lot more, because I'm in a triathlon. I want to do more than just speak to you on a Sunday morning. Not that I don't, that's, I decline that. I love doing that. I love doing that. See, it'd be so easy for me to say, you know, I'm not speaking. My voice is not good. I always want to speak. You can't shut me up. I said to you this morning, I had something to say. I've not just done this for, for time. I've done it because I have something to say and impart into your hearts this morning. Now, you've been real good. You've listened to me for a long time. That's the testament to the grace that's on you. Because it's not easy listening to me. But I thank God that God has given a grace in this house for you to listen but guess what? It would be a lot, lot bit different if you could get up and do something with it. That's the real issue is not whether you listen. The issue is whether you'll do something with it. Yeah? Can you see that? So are you going to be like Rick and, and Dick? Are you, going to be, are you going to run your race with all your limitations, but not with any containments? Hello? You've all got limitations. We've all got limitations. Guess what? I don't have an operatic, operatic, I can't even say it, operatic voice. That's a limitation. This morning, I barely have a voice. But guess what? That's not my containment. Next week, we're recording our album with a voice like this. So I'm, next week, I'm going to sound really sexy. My voice, hey, who? I'm going to sound like, what's he called? Joe Cocker? Barry White, yeah. Higher. But the point is this, my limitations, we've all got. But don't let your limitations become your containment. I 
Let's stand to our feet, please. <coughs> now, we could just close our eyes and dismiss and go and eat paninis. But that wouldn't be an adventure, would it? I really do believe that this message deserves some kind of response from your heart to the Father's heart. The Father's, you know, right now I see the Lord pushing this chair and you're not in it. Some of you are not in it, not, you're not in it. Some are not in it. Some of were in it and got out and got in it again. And that's part of the Christian journey. We've done that. We've all done that from time to time. But right now, that behavior has got to come to an end. God saying, I kept on running when you got out. I kept on moving even though you didn't. Because I know the journey and the path for you. I stayed on your path. So when you, had, when you did come back, or when you do come back, I have somewhere to focus you. Hello? But one of us had to keep on moving and keep running and pushing. And I'm still running my race. Knowing that when you, are, when you come back, you have somewhere to come back to. You have a race. It's not just, listen, hear what I'm saying this morning. It's not just coming back to Jesus. You're coming to your purpose. You're coming to what you were born to do. Your race. Now I say again, it's time for some of you old men and women to start dreaming. It's time for the young'uns. See, visions are very, very exciting. And young'uns realize that when you have a vision and you open your eyes, it just doesn't happen. There's a lot of processes that you have to go through. And God has to get you ready for you to, in, to get your vision. Because like you've heard me say this before. It's like going to the cinema. God shows you a trailer of your life. And it's full of action and excitement. And it makes you think, I want to go and see that movie. God says, you're going to do more than see it, you're going to be in it. But God only shows you the good parts. He doesn't show you the parts where they're crying. And you're on the floor and you feel like you've been beat up. Like Paul felt. He only shows you the exciting parts. Why? Because it's the exciting parts that makes you want to get in on it. Now I want to be part of the movies. And God says, I gave you a vision to excite you. To show you what, how your life is going to be utilized. It's going to have excitement. But there's going to be a lot more than that. But you've got to be in the movie to realize what else there is in the movie. Yeah? There's also dialogue in the movie. You can't just be shooting people. And having action. Looking like Arnie Schwarzenegger. You know, there's some romance in there. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. But you're, that's your movie. So God shows you what a picture and a glimpse of what your life can look like. But you've got to go and see the movie. And that's what the vision's about. But then you've got to say, Lord, I want to be in that movie. That's my life. You're showing me there. Lord, I want to be part of it. God says, okay, son. For the young'uns, there's going to be some process leading to that vision. They don't like that process. Because the young'uns want to start today. But you have started. It's just not unfolded in one day. Rome was not built in a day. Right? Whereas you get older and you get mature, then you realize, ah, this is the dream that God spoke to me about. I'm actually now in the movie. It feels great. It feels wonderful. 
hey, I did cry. But guess what? It was worth it. Now, I've, now I value the price. I've paid to be where I am. Yeah, God uses everything. So, come before the Lord this morning. You old men and old women, ladies, I say that affectionately. I say that affectionately. Hear my heart this morning. Old men and women, I want you to dream again. It's not over. It's not over. There's more to be done. God wants to speak through what you do. God wants to be able to speak through who you are. So we've got any old people here this morning? I say that again affectionately. Just raise your hands this morning. Say, Lord, I've not been in the chair from time to time, but you have carried on pushing when I got out. And Lord, in so many ways, I've been a passenger. I've allowed you to push me about, wheel me here, wheel me there, but Lord, I've not been part of the race. I've been disconnected. Oh yeah, I'm still in church, still come to the odd meeting, but I'm not in the race. I've not got no exhilaration. I've got no sense of achievement, no fulfillment. And the Lord says, son, daughter, it's time that your dreams meant something. Your dreams are going to take you to the finishing line. Your dreams are going to take you to the finishing line. It's my picture for you to keep you virile, to keep you strong, to keep you, to keep you, I don't know another word, open. Come on, the old men, old ladies, put your hands up and start, Lord, forgive me for getting out the chair. Forgive me, Lord, I want to run this race. I've run a one-dimensional race, if, if best, but Lord, take me into a triathlon. Give me adventure. Give me meaning. Give me purpose. Give me fulfillment. Give me satisfaction. Let all my days come to something. Come on, church. And at least you'll be able to hear some people crying out to the Lord. This is a serious point in our message this morning. It's not over. It's not over. There's more prophecy in you. There's more wisdom to come. There's more wisdom to come. There's others to encourage. There's others to get behind. There's other waters to get into and pull others across. Come on. It's not over. Stop being so one-dimensional. Stop thinking about yourself. Think about others. Oh, Father. Father. Shereya baba bakarianda. Toriya baba bakiriya satere nena kariya darababa. Lambrake la basete tenu koreya satatararakata. Lambrake tele baba shondoro bobo kuriya darasiriende. For those who want re-empowered and recommissioned, come on, come step out to the front here. Let's believe the Holy Ghost is going to come on you again and give you a fresh, a fresh empowering. Come on, just make your way out here. Come on. 
Those who want to dream again, come on, just make your way out. Let the Holy Ghost come upon you again. Fill you afresh. It's not over. It's not over. Oh, Father. <coughs> Father, Father. Right, the young people, the ones who see the visions. Come on, the young people who is, who's here. I want you to stand behind the back and I want you with the power of your vision to come and prophesy into these people and strengthen them. If you need to be stood here and be prayed for, come and stand here and be prayed for. But I want the young ones to come and pray over the, the older generation. And I want you, the visionary generation, to pray over the dreaming generation. Come on, young uns, don't be shy. You can pray at least, you can pray. Come on, young uns, begin to prophesy. You're all young. If you're not old, you're young. Come on. Let's just begin to lift this thing up to the Lord. Father, this morning, <coughs> right now, oh God, there's a quickening, there's a quickening anointing coming upon you. Right now, I release dreams.